my bits, my bits and bobs about life and my things, you know, the things you get on with and the chats at parties you have and the long walks around fields or whatever. Those things, it's like, fuck, it would be cool to share that with my dad. And but I don't even know what that would be. I don't know what that experience would be. <laughs> and that's, that's the most painful part of it now. Um, but it's good to talk about it and cry about it and see the bits of him in the tree and in you and in your sisters and in your brother and, you know, and in everything. Hello and welcome back to Daddy Issues podcast with me and Harrod George Carey. Daddy Issues is a podcast exploring fatherlessness, but more specifically, fatherlessness in successful people. I want to prove that regardless of whatever daddy issues you think you have, you can achieve anything you put your mind to. Fatherlessness affects so very many of us, so it's time to start listening to each other's stories and opening up this conversation as one that needs to be recognised heard and confronted. If you like what you hear, please do feel free to rate, review and subscribe because I love hearing all your feedback, but more importantly, it gets to more ears and the more ears, the merrier. So thank you so much. I'm going to let you get on with the episode now and I hope you have a wonderful listen. In today's episode, I am speaking to Kitty Wordsworth. Kitty is a freelance theatre, comedy and screen producer. She is executive producer and co-founder of Damsel Productions, a theatre company she set up in 2015 with the aim to develop scripts written by women and to produce them with women and non-binary creative and production teams so as to address the lack of representation of women in theatre on and off stage. Damsel are intersectional in their outlook and feminism and strive to work with diverse teams to put on stage diverse and lesser told aspects of women's experiences. Damsel have produced six full-scale productions, sketch comedy, a new writing night and London's first all-women directing festival, Damsel Develops, and most recently, Damsel Outdoors. Kitty has a CV most of us are envious of. And she's produced shows at such an incredible array of theatres, including countless times at Soho Theatre, Southwark Playhouse, Theatre 503, The Bunker, Theatre Royal Haymarket, German Street Theatre, Tristan Bates Theatre, Tabernacle, Live at Zadell, and that is naming just a few. Kitty has also worked as an independent producer for film and music videos and has an incredibly exciting, exciting career ahead of her. I am so excited to have Kitty on Daddy Issues podcast because she is a friend of mine from university and for so many years we've spoken about our dead dads and how that's felt for us across the years and so it was just the biggest privilege to have Kitty come on and talk. Thank you Kitty. So excited for everyone to hear this incredible episode. I say incredible way too much. Have an amazing listen. Okay if you want to just speak into your mic. Hello. <laughs> Hi my name's Kitty. I am 27 years old. From <laughs> Originally from Shepherd's Bush. Um, Shebu. Shebu. Once I wrote a poem in year seven. A poem. This, a poem. <laughs> half of me is fields, half of me is roads, and the journey in between is long, because my dad's from the countryside. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's cute. That's quite um, your ancestor vibes. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a poet, obviously. No. Words worth. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Capital Breakfast Extra. <laughs> it's 12.08pm. I hope we're having a wonderful sunny day and ready for the next sunny days ahead of us. <laughs> okay, so, Kitty, welcome to Daddy Issues. Hello. Hello, thank you. <laughs> and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Kitty and I are friends and we've known each other since university which is actually a long time ago now which is depressingly let's not talk about it yeah actually. <laughs> i'm like what Se- seven years weird <laughs> weird <laughs> we have always spoken a lot about our shared experience i remember actually it's it's interesting because i remember real moments in time i actually remember full conversations and that's what happens when you go through this kind of thing mm-hmm. you can remember such specific conversations when you speak about it and I remember them with you a lot do you know so. what's so weird I was literally about to start the podcast with a memory of you and I talking about this in Cornwall in Cornwall yeah. <laughs> and honestly what you said changed my whole I could be as I, I will be as strong and say as strong as to say life because mm-hmm. My relationship to grief was so toxic. Then I read your article about grief this morning. And then the last two sentences that you write in that were the words that you told me. And we were lying in bed in Cornwall, just to tell the listener about what was going on. Mm -hmm. We were lying in bed in Cornwall. And as Kitty said, that we always spoke about our dads because we both lost our dads when we were... I was 10, you you were 10. My brother was was 7. Yeah, exactly. And... I think one of us said, I think it was probably you, because you actually are probably the one who tended to... I love chatting to, yeah. about it. And we was like, so dead dads, let's talk about it. <laughs> the DDC. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you did that once at a party. Oh, fuck. I'm always just making everyone uncomfortable. Like, so my dad's dead. <laughs> you put your arms over me and I can't remember who else. And you were like, guys, we're all part of the DDC club. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, oh, my did. God. Great. It was so funny. No, it's me. <laughs> But anyway, I remember you were like, well, how do you feel about your dad's death now? And I said, because I remember feeling this vividly, I feel angry, I feel hard yeah. done by, I feel like the world's been unfair to me, I feel just fucking angry. Mm. And I was like, what about you? And I remember you said, I just feel really grateful to have ever known my dad, to have like been loved by him, to have been his daughter. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, God, that's the most peaceful, wonderful, beautiful way and relationship to have with death and your dad's death. That I still live by that, however many years later. Um, I, you know, I think about the, what, the reasons why that's my attitude. Um, and it probably goes back to how I was bereaved. And even the process that we obviously, we have different experiences of the actual death as well. But like, my dad was dying. I was 10, I was nine turning 10. I turned 10 just before he died. But um, the process and that bereavement and the openness and honesty and the understanding is the reason I think I'm the way I am today about my attitude to it. I mean, my mum always championed honesty, really. As honest as you can be without being upsetting because we were so young so didn't really talk about like the pain he might have been in but you know we knew he was dying but we also knew that he really didn't want to be except he was dying we as my brother and I sorry my brother's Freddie he's two and a half years younger than me 
we we actually also knew that we weren't allowed to like tell him like acknowledge him dying like when we were with him <laughs> so we'd like say every time we left the room we'd say i love you and all that kind of stuff and mm. but yeah do you do what going back to your article again was just so beautifully written if you haven't read it it's on girls talk and it's uh, mm. called On Grief by Kitty Wordsworth because I read that you always said I love you when you left the yeah. room and you're like that with all I, your friends yeah. that's I saw something you said the other day about not knowing if you were different because of your dad died. like you you don't know yourself mm. well enough because you were so young that how how much your dad don't change <laughs> changed you yeah. like maybe you were like that before yeah. but I'm like I actually like attribute so many of my good characteristics to my dad dying which maybe is a bit worse <laughs> but I'm like I'm an awesome person because my dad dies <laughs> but like the reason I say I love you to everyone I think is because I did that every time I saw my dad yeah and maybe the maybe this the way that I grieved and was bereaved with the openness and honesty and like loving deeply and being present and having and like you know championing connection as a, a remedy to pain mm. maybe that is like that's carried through into my existence now mm. I don't really know oh I was maybe like that before I don't know I know but that's <laughs> know. the thing we'll never know <laughs> I know that my dad was like very he loved love he loved he lived for pleasure he loved like the little pleasures as well and um and I know that he was a very kind of sociable, affable person. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's a mixture of me inheriting so many of his great attributes and also the way that I was bereaved. Wow, I'm sounding like I think I'm amazing. That's not what's going on. That we'll, we'll probably later discover all the ways that I'm like totally fucked up and awful. <laughs> Maybe that all the reasons that I'm fucked up even aren't to do with my dad dying. It's just like my character <laughs> seeping through 17 years later. <laughs> You said um, just now how mm. the way that you and your dad potentially are quite similar. Mm. And before we like start, I guess, the sort of traditional structure of the yeah, interview, yeah, yeah. I'd love to ask, what does that feel like to you when someone says to you, you're just like your dad? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's so weird because it's questions like this that make me cry. Like, mm. it's such an interesting one. Um, because... <laughs> I just cry for the most random reasons, you understand. Yeah, of course. And um, this feels good. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Because that is, that is what I carry through, you know, for all of the, maybe that's why, maybe that's why I say, like, all, all these things about my character is because of my dad dying or because of my dad, like... It's not because of my dad, it's because it's so much to do with my mum and my sisters and everything, the whole experience around it, but... I don't know if there's great, there's, you just feel connected to them in a different way and you feel like power in that and um, calmness, I don't know, it's nice, mm. <laughs> it's nice, I mean, that, it's, it's um, even my mum, you know, says you're bloody bone idle, just like your dad, like lots of his negative <laughs> traits as well, I'm like, you know, being a hedonist is not always the best thing, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so some of his bad things as well I'm like him too but I mean that means I'm allowed to be like that because my dad's dead <laughs> I'm like yeah but you know I've got to be connected to my dad so I'm allowed to be idle mum <laughs> but um yeah it's lovely and actually when it's like I wrote I remember because I wrote in that the girls talk piece which was just so fucking good to do I loved it I'm so grateful for that opportunity um was um it was an old friend of his who I didn't know and that was amazing because that is a really Gosh. difficult part of this when you when the parent died was and you're young that I've I've known my dad for seventeen years and I knew him for ten that's weird 
that's a frightening thing and when someone honestly this this was like two years ago who knew your dad says gosh you're so much like him it's just something it's just it's kind of yeah it's inexplicable that feeling it's but it's very good it feels good mm. yeah but I think that you know, credit to my mum um who I am half of and who's a fucking legend and is my dad as well now mm. but um you know well she's not but she is she inherited she she's not very similar to him in many ways that they were very they they kind of complemented each other but she inherited a lot of his qualities that she maybe didn't have and like help and help them kind of flow into us I think in a big way and same with my I've got three older sisters mm. um, who are his children who are his kids yeah. from another marriage and and do you think that was conscious of your mum oh yeah yeah I think so yeah yeah she's yeah I don't know probably not fully but yeah I I reckon so it also she, sounds like. She did an amazing job with knowing very early on, I guess also because it was cancer, so you can be a bit more... Yeah. You can prepare, I guess. We did probably prepare. And he sounds like, yeah, she... <laughs> calling Winston's Wish, which is the most yeah. amazing ch- yeah. child bereavement charity. And we watched The Lion King three times a day for a whole summer. Like, actually, what's it like? <laughs> Honestly. And there's a bit where Mufasa says something to like... Simba, like, you're going to be a great young king or something like that. And, like, my mum and daddy said to me and Freddie. <laughs> and... Yeah, it was. We prepared by watching Mufasa die three times a day. <laughs> three times. A like, day. yeah, it's. But we did because he does die. It's a great film. And then oh there's a, the second one. He lives in you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a central you know song. That's so... the central song <laughs> for the Dead Dad crew. It's actually so weird that that um, we watched that we were like obsessed with The Lion King when, yeah. when I was younger before my dad died, and after he died, I couldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. Because it's that, it's yeah, that that's the, feeling, yeah. the dad, and when he dies and he goes up to him with his little paw. Oh gosh, like, don't. I mean, it makes me cry still now. But I mean, I cry at bloody like adverts. I'm so, I'm so soppy, but apparently my dad was as well. Like, we're just so, <laughs> soppy. And did you know that, that when you were watching The Lion King, that that, that was like a sort of preparation for yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. We knew he was dying. He told us he had cancer, um, and we were very chilled about it. Because when someone tells you you have cancer and you're seven and nine, I was nine at this point, you're just like, okay, what what does that mean? You know? And then later that night, I um, lay, mum was lying in bed with me and my brother. um, And I said, is dad going to die? And she said, I hope not. Which is not lying to us, but not quite telling us the truth yet. Because, you know, you give it to us in little pieces. But then we did know he was going to die, not like, I think a month or two, a month or two after that. And then it was very much like, dad's there in bed he lived at my sister my sister like nursed him fucking legend <laughs> she <Wow>. for her <laughs> he lived in her um house so we were very near and we were staying like around the corner because he was ill he was ill like it wasn't for the kids to be around him but we'd go and like be near him and like see him hang out with him but what cancer did he have he had an obscure cancer which was like all like around his stomach and it was like attached to his appendix or something that he couldn't take out because he'd be paralyzed like it was right. it was all very stomach we used to joke that it was a lump of clotted cream on his stomach <laughs> i mean hedonism it gets you in the end do you know what i mean um the what? But hedonism gets you in the end <laughs> eating too much cream i mean my, we used, used to have like cornflakes with cream and sugar and strawberries and milk no and when he died we were like Freddie and I used to be like, Mum, like, why can't we have all these like yummy things from the supermarket? And she'd be like, Because no, that's not what we do. And I'm like, But Dad, because <laughs> he was just yeah, he liked cream, <laughs> he liked all the things, he liked all those kind of rich foods and shit. Yeah, 
He wasn't big though. I saw no. pictures of him. He's very slim. He had a big hard belly. Oh, did you? Yeah, full of Beer cancer. Belly. Full of cancer and cream. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, he, no, he wasn't that big at all. <laughs> um, so, take me back to where you grew up and your sort of family dynamic. I am from Shepherd's Bush in West London. Shebu. Um, <laughs> and I went to like a Greenside Primary School, local like, primary school there, and then Holland Park School. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that was after my dad died. But, oh, was it? Well, Holland Park, yeah, I wasn't even at secondary school level yet. Oh, yeah. But so I grew up, I lived, we actually had quite an interesting thing because my parents were together, but my dad was very much countryside guy and my mum was a Londoner. So they never fully full-time lived together. So we, we spent a lot of time at his house in um, the countryside. In Wilt- he lived in Wiltshire and Hanging Langford and then uh, like near Stroud in Gloucestershire, South mm-hmm. West and um we spent every weekend there and he'd come like midweek to london mm-hmm. so he was we were very much oh gosh i just hit the thing it's fine okay sorry <laughs> sorry sorry listener <laughs> i just punched the mic <laughs> that damaged anything no, no. okay <laughs> um yeah so we i had that like that poem i said at the beginning that i wrote in year seven uh, half of me of fields half of me is roads and the journey in between is long i grew up like half of the countryside really um and That's i so have nice. it's me and my mom my mom Bryony, and my brother freddie he's two and a half years younger than me and my dad and then i have mm. three older sisters who are kind of the same age as my mom mm-hmm. because my parents age gap was 29 years and how did they meet they met at a party through a mutual friend mm-hmm. called susie Roberson hey Susie (laughs) um yeah and I think that's why I mean it could be that it could be a lie yeah you you you, it's interesting because you're so young when all these things happens you remember bits and bobs and maybe you make stuff up as well Mm -hmm. so I could just be making loads of stuff up it was a good setup um I think he'd like done it he'd done it all Mm. he'd he'd done the marriage he'd done the kids he was 59 when he had me and um he didn't really necessarily want more kids like him and mum were in love and together but it was more like I she was I want kids Mm -hmm. um and then I think she was like you know you don't have to be a full-time dad like because I know you've done it before and that was kind of the agreement but then the second that we were born obviously he was a full-time dad because he loved you he loved us (laughs) and that's just what happened but I think yeah I think maybe that's sometimes what happens when it's you know, second marriage. Well, they weren't married, but as a love child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was actually some like his one of his brothers. I like, was. I mean, one of his brothers was. Uh, I, I re- was so so deeply close to, and he reminded me so much of dad. And um, he died actually last summer, which is, oh, wow. yeah. The, one of them, they like, just didn't really acknowledge our existence. Really? Yeah. Because of? Because we were bastards. Right, really? Yeah. yeah. Was he very religious? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe traditional religious, God knows. No. Yeah. I don't think they were like, Massively religious family. No. I mean... But maybe My uncle, Jeremy, who I was really close to and loved, he was a vicar. Mm. Um, but he found oh, that God. at university. <laughs> so he was no, religious. but that was, le- that was later that he kind of oh, just God, kind yeah. of became... Really... But I'm sure they were, like, Christian. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, I'm from, quite, I'm from like, a line of bishops. What? <laughs> <laughs> my, um... My my great my great grandfather's the Bishop of Salisbury. <laughs> I'm descend you know I'm descended so I'm descended from William Wordsworth, who's a poet. Um, Are you religious? No. And I 
We'll talk about that maybe in a bit. But mm. William Wordsworth has like influenced my nostalgia and the way that I deal with stuff. Or like I kind of, mm. I, I feel powerful when I think about him in relationship to my dad dying almost. Because it's like a deep nostalgia that's rooted deep in my history. Wow, no, no, I'm sure I'm nothing like, like him at all. I mean, I hope I'm not. He was probably like really sexist and annoying. <laughs> I mean, I know he was. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean... I, I was so I reread the um, my girls talk piece as well mm-hmm. just because to remind myself of the lovely things that I like to say about my dad <laughs> <laughs> and I said um, that I you know you become really nostalgic but you remember things in really heightened vignettes yes, like I loved this bit. heightened ma- like you remember magical moments of your childhood it becomes almost like a fairy tale your childhood mm. um, and the way you look at it and there's like kind of glowing moments. Um, or pockets that I remember and then really weirdly last year or even this recently I was reading about Wordsworth and he spoke about spots of time and he had a quite difficult I think he was orphaned quite young yeah I think he was I should know this yeah he was we both disagreeing that he was yeah we don't think we know he was (laughs) (laughs) he was orphaned young and and he remembered his childhood and spot he calls them spots of time If I can quote you, you said, One of my coping mechanisms is to paint my grief out into beautiful images and vignettes. My youth seems like a film, vivid and heightened, magical and dreamlike memories with a large sense of being loved. Moments of pain are so palpable I can pinpoint them and focus them into tiny magical stories. Mm. I genuinely, like, that is, to me... That's not how I wish I saw my grief like that. And that's why I think it's like the most beautiful way for you to like see all those moments. And I'd love Mm. for you to maybe just describe a bit more about how that looks for you and how that feels for you. Yeah, but I guess specific moments I can talk about. The moments of pain as well. I mean, I guess the moments post my dad, after my dad dying, those moments where like we saw, um, it's so romantic, but... You're a romantic. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first Christmas after he died, it was re- it was a really snowy white Christmas. We always drove up to either his or no. We we used to wake up at his in the countryside, but now since we wake up at home in Shepherd's Bush, the three of us, and then we drive up to my sisters, one of my sisters' houses because they both live in the countryside. So we're driving up, I think, to Buns, my sister, and there was like a stop in the road. All the cars had stopped, and they were edging around this dying white bird in the middle of the road mm. which was like it was really so like kind of beautiful because it was snowing everywhere and there was like dying white bird. and we all just had to pull over the car and weep and weep about this bird <laughs> um obviously we we're crying for other things but was, and, and that was the first christmas without him wasn't yeah. it do you remember who started crying first or was it just like a kind of universal? Probably all three of us. I think mm. we're probably very connected in that. We're very connected yeah. in it all. Maybe less so now in the, our grief because it's, you know, it comes, it's, I, you more elect to feel moments of catharsis rather than being overwhelmed by it. I mean, on anniversaries, actually recently this anniversary, just Freddie, Freddie and I were together and we both got quite, quite sad, but it was nice. We both kind of sat and cried. Mm. but yeah I don't know it's a different kind of pain now it feels good to cry together actually and why do you think this year it felt so poignant um weirdly over lockdown 
I was starting to think, gosh, it's weird I can't tell my dad that this is happening in the world. I don't think that about many things that happen, like life experiences that happen. I guess it's just because it was so huge and it was so it kind of was affecting everyone. And I was so, so and I and I guess also you just have time to just sit and think about stuff. Mm. A lot of time. We've got a lot of time <laughs> to sit and think about stuff. Too much day. Too much. Um so maybe a bit of that. Um yeah, maybe just both feeling a bit a little bit vulnerable anyway, just in life. Um just feeling a little bit wobbly mm-hmm. and slightly more dependent on each other than we have for a while, actually. My brother and I are really close at the moment. Um we always have been, but we're very like in each in each other's spaces. Mm-hmm. Like Freddie will call me until I pick up, which is fucking annoying. That's an actually a bad <laughs> that's a bad hangover from death. Like we're a little bit too much. Like I I kind of know that there's a part of his brain that if I don't pick up, he'll call me four times until I do because he's like she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like Freddie, Freddie, fuck off, please. I love you, but stop. <laughs> No, that's so mean. I love you, Fred. <laughs> he knows, he knows. Friends. I love Freddie as well. Can I actually speak about Freddie? I was speaking to my mum about it because it's, he, he's a boy and he was seven, which is young, as you know. <laughs> um, and it was bit that kind of attitude of bringing two women, essentially bringing Fred, a boy up, Freddie up, um, in a way that was obviously feminist, but also without emasculating him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like very much kind of gender as a social construct. I do believe that in many ways. Mm-hmm. But obviously when you're seven, you've already inherited so much of your, who you are as a, as a boy or girl or the gender that you're performing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it was about not making fun of him when he was expressing masculine behaviour, I guess, and just acknowledging that's different for Fred. Yeah. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not, but... Um, and that relationship and he's a little feminist legend to be honest because he's yeah. been raised by two iconic women yeah true <laughs> that <laughs> no he's done he's he's like my proud he's i feel i cry about him like mm. i feel so proud of him mm. and his existence and he is he walks around parties and rooms like my dad did mm. like he really does but he emulates this softness and this gentleness and this like empathy that stretches across everything and it's just really magical to experience and witness mm. And maybe I wouldn't be so intensely involved in that attitude to my brother if he had another parent, but I am. Yeah. And we planted a tree um, a week before my dad died with him mm-hmm. um, in my sister's garden, two trees, one silver birch and one apple tree. Mm-hmm. And we went and looked, at, we went into it the other day and it's 17 years old and it's this huge, beautiful tree and Freddie just stood in front of it with like a glass of wine. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just took, yeah, I took a picture and I just <laughs> wept. I was like, you're a big person you're a big huge man like wow wow and have you ever asked fred about like what it might have been like with him having two very strong as you say iconic women how do you think that he's sort of found his not giving too much away from his like I feel like don't expose him on this. That's like non-consensual. I'm exposing myself consensually, so I've got to be careful. I think that he loves that he's been raised by two women, obviously. Yeah. Like he like loves that element of him. He loves that he's like quite pretty political and socially conscious and feminist and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I guess he probably, you know, he's aware. He's aware of that lack for sure. Um, but we were very, we like, were very much like play sports. He went to Cross Hospital, really played lots of sports, had a house parent that um, 
was a man that kind of became a father figure to him in many ways. So he and we have our amazing uncle as well. Yeah. So there are lots of male figures around. So I would like to go back to your dad. And can mm. you just tell us a bit more about him and what he did and stuff? Um, <laughs> and who he was. <laughs> what he did. He did lots of bits and bobs. <laughs> no, he ran the Woolpack in Slad. He was the manager there. And he did some acting and he did some... I don't know a lot about what he did. Really? Yeah. I mean, I knew when, no, when I was alive and before that, he just like he was manager at these gastro this gastro pub. Yes. And he was he just he loved life and he was incredibly social and had a lot of wonderful friends in lots of different places. Mm. And um, so when your dad told you that he had cancer, do you remember the words that he said? Yeah. Yeah, he said I have cancer. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then he said, well, can you get it out? I think we actually asked about getting it out. And he said he described something about. I think that this could be completely not real, but I remember him describing something about it being connected to his appendix or something. And if they took it out, he'd be paralysed. And then I remember a visual image of him doing like a kind of paralysed like. Like, you know, like when people like put their arm, hands out, like, ah, <laughs> yeah, we paralyzed like that. He did a paralyzed thing. <laughs> that could be a complete, like, lie in my brain, but that's just what I remember. <laughs> Basically, they can't get it out for cancer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember not feeling that sad or stressed in the moment because, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, kind of speed into a certain maturity quite quickly it gets kind of thrust upon you mm-hmm. which I'm so grateful for to be honest um but you know when you're nine and seven being told that you don't just go okay this means this this means this and then you kind of slowly learn it quick you quickly learn it actually but mm-hmm. learn it a little bit after bit by bit after you find that out and after he died mm-hmm. I know that you spent a bit of time you and Freddie with his body yeah do you mind taking us there? And no, not at all. I think that there is something to be said about our age and a fearlessness you have when you are 10. I think, I'm not sure, I can't remember how Freddie was actually, so I won't say. I don't know if he was scared or freaked out or not, but I know that I wasn't at all freaked out. Um, and... We just went in. I mean, we were just devastated, but we went in and just, like, I cried for, like, an hour next to his dead body, um, which is an amazing thing to do, especially mm-hmm. as a 10-year-old, to be able to have that and know it and see it. Mm-hmm. And, like, that kind of clarity and honesty and straightforwardness is just such a fundamental part of life in general, I just think. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And that's what I take through with me always anyway. And just to have that experience has formed how I, I think... And that experience, plus all the other ways that we bereaved, um, were bereaved and grieved. Um, and also I remember, so all my nieces and nephews, because of my sisters being older, were kind of my age. And they came, they were there too. And I don't actually know if I remember this or mum reminded me, but I was kind of saying to them, don't worry, it's okay. Like, it's honestly, and like kind of talking them through it and mm-hmm. telling them not to be afraid, um, which oh. is cool. Yeah. <laughs> but then... Fuck knows how I'd feel seeing a dead body of someone I love now. Now it's 27. I don't know yeah. how I'd feel. It's, it's so- a different thing. I think that there's a kind of fear. There's a, there's, a, there's a pure understanding of what death means without that horror, maybe, 
the kind of actual horror that you feel on a day-to-day basis now as an adult just of everything <laughs> you just don't have that which is really nice can we go back to then but um it's so far so i don't know true. that is actually so <laughs> true we've developed a fear of death yeah which i don't think as children you really have no you don't you don't you because you do create i was i was really reckless and like tomboy and i used to like climb up like rocks yeah. and like in, in on holiday and like you know really scary ones and like and even even something as fucking stupid as like swimming in the sea deep 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 in the sea <laughs> i'm such a pussy now but it's because of fucking studying jaws it's because of studying jaws in year 10 or year 9 it's ruined everything that film has ruined it I know. it's so annoying i, I used to be day and I was like, no, no don't watch it it's fucking fear-mongering loads of sharks have been killed because basically because of that film as well like everyone's scared including me now if someone screams shark in the fucking deep end of a swimming pool i jump out it's not okay <laughs> so i mean you know they are literally my biggest fear yeah great it's, white sharks. it's just annoying it's, it's just a really stupid fear to have as well <laughs> yeah so there you go seeing a dead body mm. of your loved one i think and I hate the word closure. Yeah, but, yeah, it, but that is... Yeah, yeah, it brings a wonderful closure that you know they've gone, you've yeah. seen them peaceful. Yeah. So much of how I dealt with it is just because of what my mum said to me, basically. Mm. One is that she kept saying shit happens. And that is true. <laughs> it's a bit glib, but it's it's true. And <laughs> and it's just... And I, you know, I'm not very... I'm not that... I'm not religious. I'm slightly spiritual in some ways, but I'm... And I don't believe in kind of heaven and stuff in that kind of way. And... I also don't believe everything happens for a reason. I'm not like that. I'm like, shit happens. Like, what are you going to do? Like, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to, like, take the tools to make life... Okay? Like, use that and arm yourself mm-hmm. and go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, another thing about that closure is uh, fatherlessness mm-hmm. and what that means and that, what me saying to you, I'm so grateful mm-hmm. that I had a dad that loved me so much and that I loved and that I knew and there are very and someone that I knew was dying I was prepared for there's so many different elements to that that um I'm so grateful for and there's so many different kinds of fatherlessness mm-hmm. which might be so much more painful because like to know there's someone out there that doesn't want to know you or something like that or, I don't know there's so many and or just or just not knowing where they are mm-hmm. there must be so many different kind of you know things that can be quite painful that's why I feel lucky. I feel, feel luck. I feel, yeah. But it's so lucky. lucky to feel <laughs> lucky. I know that it's for you, it's not amazing because it's just the way that you've mm. seen the world and how you've reacted and coped. But yeah. like, it really is, I think, incredibly inspiring. It doesn't make the pain any easier yeah. or less, but it does mean that you're able to have a more peaceful and I yeah. think um, expansive relationship with it. I don't credit that to me. I credit to my mum and the adults around me. Mm. And like, I, I do think that people that don't maybe haven't dealt with it in the way that I have, it's not to do with like them. It's no. to do with so much to do with circumstance oh, and the context, which is actually why a really important part of my being a dead dad crew person, dead dad club or crew. I just never knew one the crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, person now is that I want to talk to people about it like I feel like that's something useful I can give Mm. that I feel very comfortable talking about it and Mm. want and want to and like it can offer anything that I know which is not very much I don't have any kind of new bits of wisdom it's just yeah it's just saying it's okay shit happens and you're going to be okay and these are all the reasons why I don't know so that's something that I can 
take forward because mm. not everyone's been as lucky as me. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And I'm very aware of that. We could talk for 10 hours, by the way. I just realised you and I, I just realised <laughs> something. Fuck, we literally could talk for four hours. I just forgot what we're like. <laughs> I know, there's a few more things I want to get into. I know, we'll bang it out. So, so talking about the way that you did cope and the way that you described it thrusting you into a much more mature mindset, having to grow up Mm. quicker, and then also the way that you started talking to your nephews and nieces and owning the situation Mm. in a way that there was like a real maturity about you and about this Mm. relationship to what just happened to you, which Mm. was death. And now I want to talk about, because you have been such a successful theatre producer. <laughs> and I mean, I even remember when you were 22, you had to lie to people in meetings about your age. Cause... Yeah, I did. Because I'm a woman as well. So it's like older men being like, blah, 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 in a meeting. You just kind of feel like, fuck, if they know I'm 22 as well as a woman, yeah. I'm fucked. <laughs> I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you think that that experience with your dad and that grief, or even just your relationship with him and then that sure yeah do you think it fed into that drive and sure I feel like it feeds into everything I think my work (laughs) I have to just say that my work ethic has nothing to do with my dad (laughs) (laughs) like let's just get set the record straight there that is definitely my (laughs) mum um but I guess I've got a nice marriage of my mum's like kind of really worky like brainy vibe and his like woohoo social like pleasure like things are beautiful and like mix them together which is why being a produ- what being a producer works well for me mm-hmm. um, because it's a bit of both it's a bit of both those brains you have to have the very sociable like kind of affable vibe but also be a bit of a nerd <laughs> um, a numbers nerd <laughs> which I barely am but you know. Um, but for sure, I mean, uh, something that I thought was something that I love about my dad, my, my dad, so my dad loves stuff like long walks, long chats, making connections, all those kind of things. Like, and when he was dying, he was on morphine when he was really ill and all his hallucinations really, um, can really lend a picture to the kind of person he was. And he had the- he had a hallucination um, at 4am that he had to go to a hunt a hunt ball. <laughs> he was like, I've got to get up, I've got to go, when he was actually dying. And then he'd like, have hallucinations about um, blackbirds talking to him or like a little boy eating strawberries and these kind of really magical little spots of time. Yeah. But not. But, and, um, and even a week before he died, he was like, right, we're all going on a trip, on a boat trip down the canal. <laughs> it's just like you're like dead <laughs> and my mom's like is the nurse gonna be running down the towpath with morphine drip like what's wrong with you <laughs> so um that <laughs> that's kind of like what my dad was like um and I guess like I don't see myself as having a hole in my heart at all mm. um I feel like there's something different there but it's the hole that might have been has been filled with stuff that I would never have had if he hadn't died mm. so um, and do you a different th- piece that wouldn't have been there. Yeah. So not mystifying death, not being afraid, and maybe that means I'm not afraid of lots of other things like difficult meetings. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but, no, that um, makes sense. But also just, I, I, I don't really know why I did well. Like it was, it would, but I don't know why I did well. But there's lots of reasons. Luck is a big part of anyone doing well. To be honest, you have to accept that. But. Um, I am very straightforward. Mm. I'm very honest and people can tell, I think, mm. when yeah. I speak to them. And I've heard 
people have said to me before worky people have said it's cool that you're the same when you speak in a meeting with you know fucking mr blah blah <laughs> mr big boy mr big balls and with me like now with my friend or something like, it's the same and like may, I, that could be to do with it I'm just thinking about if anyone's listening just there thinking am I Mr Big Balls <laughs> yeah. you probably me? are if you think you are you are <laughs> no they're not listening <laughs> I don't know maybe I'm a bit of a busybody like maybe mm. I'm fill my fill my life mm. and that's not necessarily a good thing and I think that I've noticed that a lot in lockdown having not really been doing done anything <laughs> And turns out I'm really good at doing nothing as well. Obviously, like my dad, <laughs> and I can literally sit there and stare at my knee and just like have a glass of like wine or whiskey stare or whatever. At my knee. <laughs> I know it's like Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the Black Plague. I'm like I stared at my knee for three days. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but I think that lockdown really helped me do that because I've just been busy, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's blocking stuff off or like not wanting to acknowledge certain things. I'm like always had something to do I was always yeah. going to the theatre seeing friends working all day yeah. I had like like when I'm doing my freelance days I'm like meetings all chocolate chocolate and you're the same mm. like when yeah. I try and hang out with you it's like um you can meet up with me two Wednesdays from tomorrow <laughs> at like 4 30 p.m till 5 45 I'm like whoa okay you're <laughs> you're actually probably worse than me but um <laughs> no but um, definitely for me the busyness was yeah. part of like a numbing agent on for sure level. and like it's useful I think a lot of successful people are successful in inverted commas because of what is success I yeah think exactly the, my biggest success is being okay yeah about my yeah. dad oh I love that I feel that's I feel successful in that and I feel mm. like being able to just feel happy and good and have like lovely relationships with people and my family and stuff is like the biggest success ever and I'll that will that could take me through through life you yeah. know satisfied but I think a lot of people that are successful in what the work way um I often do like attribute that kind of thing to maybe like pushing something else away pushing and like being very busy yeah. being very very busy yeah means not dealing with something else maybe mm, definitely no that's but that a might fact. be a huge generalization no 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 that's but a I fact, think that is a fact yeah. i had um julia samuel on literally talking about that exact really? same thing yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. two things i'd love to talk about before yeah. we go how do you think that your dad's absence and death may have affected your relationships with men. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fuck you. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me this. Um, I, I just, it, they, they have, it has. That's for sure. That's almost nearly as far as I've got with it. Mm-hmm. But I know, I'm aware that it, his, him dying and his lack of presence has affected my relationships with men um and i i've thought reese i thought that there's a powerfulness i feel in myself and pretty much every element of my life like i don't feel scared going into a social situation where i don't know anyone like i feel very good in myself and i feel like i could take on pretty much anything mm-hmm. because of that kind of self-worth that i feel there's something about I decenter my self-worth when it comes to men and I just don't really understand what it why I do it mm-hmm. even when I even in times when I haven't it creeps back it creeps back into it and I don't decenter my self-worth and that's something that I'm working out I think but um I don't know if that's to do with having lacking a dad it probably is blame it all on having a dead dad might as well oh, <laughs> no but I it's so weird that you say that because I'm exactly the mm. same 
Like I thought I was over that. And recently I realised I wasn't. Yeah. Was that nothing like a fucking lockdown to remind you of all the things that are... Bring it all back up. But no, it's good. It's a really good thing. The lockdown. I mean, not it's not a good thing at all, but I mean, it's good. It's been great to reflect on stuff. Because I'm so straightforward, because I live deep, I love deep. Like I'm very like, <laughs> here I am. Woo! <laughs> um, that has been off-putting in the past to people. <laughs> Who like you to be like, I don't even like you. And they're like, oh my God, marry me. <laughs> Which I just will never be like. But um, I think maybe that um, has impacted. But I'm not going to change that part of me. I'll just find someone that like, likes it. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So, and, also, and is worthy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm worthy of as well. You know, I'm not we're the same. Mm. Got to be mutually worthy. I platform them really quickly. Yeah, yeah, put them on a pedestal. I put them on a pedestal. Yeah, but put like, yourself on a pedestal. It's I know. so weird. But it's so, so I went, to a, on a, I went on a date recently and mm. I was walking there and I was like, remember that you're interviewing them for your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the other way around. Totally. And That's I, why I say to all my friends, when they're going on a date, I'm nervous, but if he doesn't like me, I'm like, no, no, no. You should be worried if you don't like him. That's the only worry that should cross your mm. mind. What if I don't like this guy? Yeah. It's not about them liking you. You're you. There's nothing, don't change that. You're yeah. you, go into it. Yeah. I feel like that so deeply, but then I feel, I feel very much more, I like, of, of late, that's how I have been, actually. Mm-hmm. I've changed my vibe a bit, but it's been a bit of a kind of fucking thorn on my side for a while, for mm-hmm. a lot of my kind of um, early 20s, I'd say. But um, just be, be like, you're a legend, and like, lucky them if they get you. I feel like we're very similar in the way that when we yeah. give advice to people, Mm. it's not always the advice we no take way. on for We're ourselves so i feel like fuck i'm gonna give advice to people and then i'm like <laughs> do you want to do that to yourself and then you're like yeah. one of my new recent advices <laughs> is would you think about your friend me would you think about me in the way that you're thinking about yourself right now and everyone's like no i'm so good at giving that advice but it's like <laughs> oh but what's one thing you I have to you have to learn, especially when you're like the way that I am, and maybe you are when it's like I love talking, but I'm very open. It's like mm. don't give unsolicited advice either, and I really try not to. Yeah, you've got to read the room, and I think that you can't just know. you know we were saying earlier about like we're in the dead dad crew. Like you have yeah, to, you yeah, do yeah. have to be careful with that because not everyone's ready. Yeah, not everyone wants to talk about it at like three in the morning <laughs> in the house party, or like <laughs> or even just like at a coffee. Do you know what I mean? You just got you do have to be careful. Yeah. So. Because people are going through all their different bits and bobs. Definitely. I actually gave some unsolicited advice to two of my yesterday. <laughs> I felt it. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you I couldn't be, take it back. Yeah, I was yeah. just dug a bit more. Yeah, you keep going. Like, oh. like, Is there anything I haven't said that I want to say? Yes, that's actually usually what I ask. Do you feel like I've missed anything off from our chats of life? You mentioned how it's different. It's mm. a different version of grief. It's a different yeah. loss. So how would you describe the difference? I think I remember really dreading turning 20 because that was, you've known your dad. You've, you've not known your dad for as long as you knew your dad. And that was scary to me um, because that's the kind of, the grief becomes not the actual loss and the feeling bereft and feeling a lack of someone, you know. I love that in French, this is so fucking pretentious actually, you probably delete this, but like, I love in French <laughs> that I miss you as tu maman, which is you lack me. Oh, but yeah. it is about a lack, do you know what I mean? That yeah. feeling that kind of missing thing. Mm. It doesn't become that, but it just becomes the not knowing them and the going through life. Um, and feeling those deep serenities to them that you, you carry through 
and not being able to connect with them over those things, mm. you know? Um, and um, because I'm so close to all my family, uncle to my mum, my brother, I haven't felt a huge, when like the kind of big landmark moments, like my plays, producing my plays or like whatever I've done that I feel proud of. I don't actually feel like that's where I miss him. I don't feel like, oh, I wanna call my dad and tell him because, I, because he died when I was 10. So that wasn't our relationship. But I think it's more than just like, stuff where I'm not similar to my mum maybe, or stuff where I'm not similar to my brother, or just or, or just my my bits, my bits and bobs about life. And I think, you know, the things you get on with and the chats at parties you have and the long walks around fields or whatever, those things, it's like, fuck, it'd be cool to share that with my dad. And but I don't even know what that would be. I don't know what that experience would be. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's, that's the most painful part of it now. Mm. Um, but it's good to talk about it and cry about it and, and see the bits of him in the tree and in you and in your sisters and in your brother and you know and in everything um wordsworth was a pantheist which is seeing um the life force of nature and everything and all around us and a god is in the life force you know mm. he is nature he's everything and around us mm-hmm. that is so much how i see stuff i don't i would never call myself a pantheist because mm. <laughs> that's a bit weird but <laughs> but that Hinge. it's yeah no pantheist, <laughs> religion, <laughs> pantheist oh my god no 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 um Hinge, fuck Hinge. yeah um, Hinge. but that is and you become you over you over sometimes the answer being unsolicited the unsolicited overwhelmed when you're overwhelmed with that, that pain and grief is horrible but I've learned to harness it and own it and like sit with it. So even when they come, even so this is clearly a cathartic experience. I'm prepared, I'm gonna be crying. But even moments where you're slapped and you don't even know, but you're slapped in the face by this kind of, oh my God, my dad is not here and I can't connect with him over this. Um, you just kind of learn to embrace them and they become magic. They become spots of time. <laughs> I'm so cringe, what the hell is no, going on? <laughs> It honestly is I'm so... All, my mum is just going to be like, oh, you're so fucking earnest, Kitty. <laughs> I try, I'm so, I am so earnest, it's really annoying. I wish I wasn't. <laughs> no, you don't. It's the best interview and it's you uh, and I love it. <laughs> if your dad was listening to this episode mm. right now, what would you want to say to him? I would say sorry for being so earnest. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, oh... Actually, maybe if he was alive, I'd probably be a bit funnier. Like, he was really funny. I'd say, can you teach me the cork trick? He did this magic trick with corks on the table where they go missing under napkins. Um, I'd say, oh, God. um, Thank you for um, letting my mum convince you to have us. (laughs) Thank you for being a legend. Thank you for being someone that, luckily, anyone that knew loved which makes my life a lot easier um and yeah hey how's it going (laughs) what's it like up there (laughs) (laughs) i don't fucking know i don't i mean it's just you i don't speak to my dad like that to be honest Mm. i don't i don't kind of go hey dad but i go i guess moments of being like i love you i miss you and that's kind of it that's as far as i go i don't feel that connection to that thing because he very much lives inside me and it carries through in my and and the people that he was close to that's how he's carried through the world that's how I see it Mm. so 
That's probably a bit of a shit answer. No, it's but... amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. What would you say to your dead dad? Hey, <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> I've literally, I've had that once where someone just was like, uh, I'd say hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Obviously, I mean, that's such a classic. I bet everyone says yeah. thank you, but you got to. No, yeah. Um, thanks for dying because I'm a great person now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, just... I'm way more empathetic. No, I know. I'm way more empathetic, but yeah, shit happens. Shit happens. Yeah. On that sure. note, Kitty, thank you so much <laughs> for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to my episode with Kitty Wordsworth. That was just incredible. I mean, I'm lucky to be able to call her my friend. I just think that the way that she has been able to look back on her childhood and her grief, how she describes all these moments as tiny, magical stories and the magical covering the painful and the beautiful and the love and the loss, I think is just, yeah, maybe I stop there and I don't try and analyze anything else but um thank you kitty that was amazing your honesty is always so refreshing and i think that she is a very special person so thank you very much kitty for coming on and i hope that you all had an incredible wonderful listen and have taken as much as i have from that interview If you've been affected at all by anything that's come up in the episode, I advise two places where you can visit. The first is Julia Samuel's website, www.juliasamuel.co.uk. The other place is www.untangle.life, which is for people experiencing grief. Love to thank Warren Borg at Wargy Productions for doing all the mastering and compressing and Julietta for providing Daddy Issues podcast season two music, which I am obsessed with. Lastly, I'd love to thank all of you for listening and also staying on this long to listen to the rest of the outro as without you, of course, there would be no podcast. So thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day or night. <laughs>